0: Hey guys, it's your girl, Adam, also known as the CEO, paralegal, author, legal consultant, legal educator, and of course, your host of the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast. Join in on the fun by downloading, subscribing, and sharing our content. You can also take your support further by hitting the coin icon on the Let's Talk Paralegal website, where as a thank you, we will provide you with exclusive content, news, and maybe even some swag. So what are you waiting for? Hit pause and share your support now. In this episode, I get to speak with Joa. She is a linguistic consultant, which is a fancy way of saying she helps lawyers and anyone that needs a translator or interpreter. As you know, language is my jam. As a multilingual person, I pride myself in learning as many languages as possible, even if it's at a minimal capacity. We'll for more. Need an extra set of hands for a case that requires a little more investigation work? Check out our proud sponsor of Season 3, Affirm Investigative Solutions, where you get the tailored and personal care for your case when you need it most. With over 10 years of experience, Affirm Investigative Solutions makes the process easy. Set up a call, develop a plan, and then execute that plan. Affirm Investigative Solutions, the litigation partner that has your back. Hey guys, it's your girl, Etta, and welcome to the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast. Today I have with me a wonderful, innovating, not really a legal professional, but helps the legal professionals in a way that maybe you guys have never really thought about. And we're going to talk about a subject that's very near and dear for me, and it's language. As most of you guys know, I am multilingual. I know several languages, and I speak about this widely on my podcast. So if you haven't heard it, listen to a couple more episodes. But Spanish was my first language. And then I learned English when I was younger. And then I met this beautiful woman here b- beside me, Joanna. And she's going to talk about a little bit about herself. And then we'll get into really everything else. So, first, introduce yourself to the audience and then we'll go from there.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Aira. Uh Hi, I'm Joa Tadella. I am originally from Portugal, I grew up in Venezuela. And I moved to the States when I was 18 by myself, not knowing any English. So for the past uh, 17 years, I've been trying to figure out how everything works in America. Uh, You know, from paperwork to the system, healthcare, education, going through college and grad school, marriage, divorce, the whole thing. Everything has been happening. So. Um, I feel very fortunate because since I already was speaking two languages, I was able to learn a third language, English, very fast. But that's really not the case of many immigrants. So with me throughout the years, helping family and friends coming to the U.S. and helping them get it stabilized and figure out how things are, I figure out that, you know, a lot of people don't have, you know, that support system. And in addition to that, until they are able to feel comfortable with English, it's not about not knowing any language. You have to have enough proficiency and feel s- enough comfort. Sorry, uh, <laughs> you need to have enough proficiency and you need to feel comfortable enough to have conversations that really matter to you, like healthcare, like legal things, uh, financial things like that. So that goes a little bit more beyond than uh, just you know speaking everyday English. So that's the reason why, you know, I decided to start my own business. Uh, It's called Culturizing Access. And what I do is I help organizations reach Latinos and other limited English proficient communities uh, and help them to, you know, provide the services that they are, that they have in, in a culturally and linguistically appropriate way. And the reason why, you know, I came up with that, it's because A lot of the times us immigrants feel like we are only limited to have whatever is available in our language. So if we need a lawyer and we only speak Spanish or Portuguese, well, we'll have to go to the one lawyer in our whole town that speaks Portuguese and that's it. And that might not be the best lawyer and that's not okay, right? we should be able to choose the lawyer that we want because it's the best lawyer for our needs. And that should go beyond language and cultural barriers. So that's, that's the goal, right?
0: I love it. I love it. I know. I feel like sometimes not only language, right. Cause we can talk about this in general, but um, a lot of other things limit us, right. Like our status financial, like what you were saying, a lot of things uh, when people think about immigration or think about people that speak multiple language, they don't understand the barriers that are built in, in the America. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, I mean, it's America, they're supposed to learn English, they're supposed to adapt to our culture, they're supposed to X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank. I'm sure there's going to be some of our listeners that maybe feel the same way. And that's okay if that's how you feel. We're not here to discriminate or you know make you change your mind in any way. We're just here to educate. This is an educational podcast. And so we're trying to show you the other side of the coin, right? Because some people may be stuck in their ways. They're like, well, I learned English, right? Me personally, and you just said that you learned English. So why can't everybody do it? And it's not about that. It's about the growth. It's about actually being comfortable in your own skin and actually being able to understand the language fully because English is different. There's different dialects of English, just like there's different dialects of Spanish and Portuguese. You know, the the Portuguese from Portugal, I just found this out, is different than the ones from Brazil. Did not know that until the other day. So, you know, same thing with Spanish, depending on if you're from Central, South, or even the Caribbean, different dialects, every single language. Creole is not the same as French. So understanding that even though they might have the same base, like Latin languages and things like that, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a one size fits all. And this is the America, we get it. It's also the land of the immigrants. And we have a lot of immigrants here trying to find a better life, not only for them, but for the families. And so that's what we're here for. We're here to protect and serve every human on this soil right now. And it's not just about immigration because a lot of people automatically assume that we're going to be talking about immigration law we're talking about kind of like what you just said we're going to be talking about that every single uh legal matter should be handled in a certain way by translators by other solutions that we're going to introduce later on into the podcast but this is a serious issue you were saying uh, before that how many latinos make up for the american say that say that uh say, you said something to me before and I can't remember the the exact words and I don't want to oh, butcher yeah, it. Yes.
1: Yeah. So um there are 62 million Latinos in the US. But there's also 25 million people in general that speak English less than very well. So when we're talking about people that are limited English proficient, we're not talking about people that don't speak English. They have to speak English less than very well. So I can speak English well, that still makes me a limited English proficient. I have to speak it very well, close to a native proficient. So if you're not there, you are basically an LEB. And the best way to serve this 25 million people is through providing services in their own language. Yeah. And again, that doesn't mean that these people don't know how to speak any English, or they're not able to, you know, go to the grocery store or have a conversation with you. It's about very important topics, which includes the legal system that they're so high, you know, they have such high terminology and lingo that you just feel more comfortable really understanding it in your own language. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor; like you might be able to get by, but if you can talk about everything that goes about your life in your own language it's easier for you to really express what's going on and get the treatment that you need and things like that. The same thing with the legal system or the financial system.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So that, that's very I mean,
1: important. Like you mentioned, like, oh, you have to speak English. It's not about not speaking English. Right. It's about, you know, offering these services in an appropriate way. And that, that that should go beyond, you know, you must speak English because we're in the U.S. That, that's yeah. not what the topic is for sure.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, even legal professionals sometimes have a hard, you know, time reading this terminology. So, I mean, just put that into consideration. You are a legal professional. You do this day in and day out. And yet, sometimes you yourself do not understand some of the language. So, imagine (laughs) somebody else with, you know, several barriers. So, just just to put into perspective, again, not trying to sell this, you know, to anyone. But that actually brings me to the reason why you actually opened up your business, right? Because you saw the need and you saw the importance. So tell us a little bit about that and how that came about and and really where where you see it going, right? Because we all have this vision for our businesses and I love the vision that you have.
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, the really providing services in another language, it's it's really the law, right? So it comes with the civics at right, um the civil right with the sorry, the I got you. <laughs> civic rights of 1964. Uh, and that requires you to provide services in another language. And the court is actually one of the highest standards when it comes for translation and interpreter. So if you're working in the legal system, you already know these things. You are used to working with interpreters all the time in the court. They have the highest standards when it comes to testing, to getting higher, to continue education. They are really the gold standard, even better than healthcare or any other. The thing is that when you get outside of the court, that same standard is not applicable. So we see a lot of the times law offices don't follow, you know, the same regulations. They don't don't have interpreters on staff. They don't make sure that their bilinguals have not only the proficiency in another language but also the, ter- the terminology which is very important so like you were saying you have to get trained you have to take all these legal terminology courses in order for you to provide your services as a paralegal or any other you know employee of the legal system so you need to have the exact same terminology in spanish or portuguese or french or any other language that you're f- providing those services so that's where the disparity comes the court is great but when you go into the law offices and outside of that that's where the problems are and that's now kind of what i'm trying to you know to 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 bridge that that um that disparity to make it smaller because you should really be able to you know go to any lawyer get any service and not just go to court and that's where you get good services when it comes to language mm-hmm. um i'm going to tell you a uh, A quick story, I I recently got divorced and I was talking to my lawyer. And one of the things when I told her about my business and things, she's like, oh, that's great. You know, it's 10 lawyers here and none of us speak Spanish. So when somebody calls uh, and they speak Spanish, we basically lose that business. And I'm like, why why are you losing that business? Like, why why are you doing this? I get it, your family court, that's great. But this is a big business. I mean, in this case, Latinos, we have a GDP of $2.6 trillion. And a purchasing power of 1.9 trillion dollars if you are not getting that business you're just not in the right business you're, you're losing money right <laughs> and this is just it, and, and it is really beyond immigration law. We need all type of lawyers I mean family of course uh contractor a, any type of law really benefits for providing the services. when it comes to Latinos for example, we are the number one business small business creators in the country. So, if that's the kind of law that you do and you're not serving Latinos, you're missing a lot of money there,
0: right? Especially uh, family law, right, Um, is a big one, especially here in the States. Um, We do a lot of uh, divorces, like you were saying, but we also do child custody, child support, alimony, you know, everything in between um, when it comes to that in the aftermath. And a lot of non lawyers are now working towards these limited licensings that are being provided nationwide. Little by little, we're getting there. there. We have like about four or five states have already passed the law where non-lawyers can have this limited licensing to assist in a limited capacity as like a practicing lawyer. So you know that's really where that motion is going, right? We're 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 going towards where we can get affordability services, where um, we can get the like you said that that quote unquote high end, you know, service to everyone in the community. That's really what we want. Like, you know, non-lawyers have such power and yet we feel so powerless, which is really like an internal conflict most of the time, because we feel like, well, since we're not licensed, we can't do certain things, but that's not true. You can be a translator, a mediator. There's so many other things in the legal system that you can do as a non-lawyer that provides you with that power. Um, Arbitration is a big one. You know, Um, All these other sources that we have that we can utilize our skills and transfer them to other services. And I feel like translation is just not seen. Maybe because you're right, it's super hard. Um, Not hard. It's just It's a lot. It's a lot to actually get into translation, especially if you're doing document translations. If you're doing um, like court reporters, I know court reporters now are getting that license so that they can get more business in translating. So um, they're doing the court reporting while translating, which I don't even know how that works. But (laughs) it sounds exhausting to me anyway, but apparently, you know, people do it. So, there's really no excuse, right, to have these services. They're out there, you know. Like you said, the court systems have them, and there's a lot of self help out there, Um, uh, especially Florida, very good with self help um, desks and all this information for the community in general. And I feel like this should be like an added um, service, but to everyone, right, to lawyers to people seeking a translator, maybe there are pro se litigants, which are litigants that, you know, are doing their own case with no representation, Um, anything like that, this should be another service to be added to the list. And I feel like you're right, it's like a missed opportunity right there, because there's so many other languages out there that we can tap into not only Latinos, although, of course, I'm all for it, um, but there is a lot of other, um, languages out there that really need this help, right? That really should, um, be utilizing these type of services. So I love that you're doing that with your business and I love that you're bringing it to light because it is like an untapped, um, gold, I guess I can say <laughs> for lack of a better word, like, I don't know, but anyway, during this, um, I guess your business—you created like a six-step process, and you told me a little bit about it prior to the interview. And I—I I don't want you to give it all away, obviously, because we don't want people out there to try and take it from you. But really, explain to us in general what the process is like and how that looks like, and and really what brought about right because that that had to take a lot of thought. Like that's not something you just wake up one day and be like, "Hey, I'm just gonna do this."
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so. Um... My background is actually in healthcare. Um, I, I do have a master's in translation and interpreter, but I also work in healthcare. And the US Department of Health and Human Services created in 2013 these standards that are culturally and linguistic appropriate services standards. And that obviously applies to healthcare and it really puts out how you know the gold standard for providing services that are you know appropriate and they're culturally welcome and include language, of course. And that goes from you know providing translation and interpreting, but also hiring people that represent the communities. And when we look at that, we're not looking about just hiring at the base, so we're not looking at just hiring like front staff that, um, work that that's bilingual, but all the way to the top, all the way all the way to C level to the board level, that's how you, you know, you make changes. Because if you're represented at all levels, that's how, you know, things happen. Mm-hmm. And what I'm, what what I did after, you know, 10 years of experience and working in other sectors like education and legal and financial and things like that was grab that blueprint and bring it to other sectors. So I reduced this 13-step,
0: basically. (laughs) Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's a lot.
1: In in a short, you know, six-step, because a lot of people get intimidated. It's like, wait, where do I even start? Language services, language access. This is, like, way too much of a monster for me to target. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, put out there, that it's not as big. So the first thing you need to do is, you know, make an assessment, a needs assessment and a capacity assessment. See where is your population that you work with, see how many people speak other languages or need services in another language. The minimum should be if you have 10% of a population that speaks a specific language, you should be providing services in that language. Mm -hmm. If you want to be gold standard, 5%, Mm -hmm. but at least 10%. So if you have 10% of, you know, Indians or... Um, French, Creole, or, you know, Portuguese, that's the services that you should be providing in that language. Once you do that, then you have to look at what you already have in-house, so that would be the capacity. Like, do you already have bilinguals that speak these languages? Do you need to hire a full-time or a part-time interpreter? Do you need to, you know, have a phone or a video on call interpreting services? So there's a lot of different options. So you really start looking at what you already have. If You already have people that can translate what do you need to translate? You might not need to translate every single thing, but you know, your vital, your your most important documents, they need to be translated because if you really want somebody to sign something, they have to understand what's going on. Right. And then I never, I never
0: understood why retainers weren't translated. I'm like, That's literally the agreement (laughs) between you and your client. Why is that not translated?
1: (laughs) If you really want to make sure they pay you for your services. Exactly. And they understand when to
0: pay you and how to pay you and how much to pay you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So once you go there, then, you know, the next step is figure out how to make it better. So hire bilinguals. And something that's very important when hiring bilinguals is this misconception that anybody that speaks another language will be good for the job to be you know offering services in another language much less to be an interpreter but um, like you know we were saying the other day like you and I can be speaking English right now but we're gonna have a conversation in about chemistry or astrophysics like we have to know the terminology it goes beyond just you know everyday English or everyday Portuguese French or whatever right? right so you need to make sure that this people that speak the other language are also knowledgeable about legal terminology in that language. Then you'll feel more comfortable letting them provide services. And it's a huge liability. I mean, I don't have to talk to you about liability, right? You don't want to get sued. That's (laughs) the last thing you want to do, right? (laughs) Got it. I got it. (laughs) So you definitely have to do that. And then, you know, you can compensate with having, you know, an on-call interpreter or on staff. It really just depends on how big your, you know, your client is. And then from there, you know, you want to train your staff. You want to make sure your staff knows where to get the interpreter, how to work with them, where to get the documents, because you can have all these great things. But if they don't know where to go and get that retainer and, you know, in Chinese, then there's no point of you having it. Right. So those are basically some of the, the basic steps. So if you look at it in a very small way, like, you know, assess, see what you have, improve and train. That, that's really it. That's the key of providing quality services. And again, the goal is, like, if you already know your services are good, that you are the best, you have the quality, why are you not, you know, providing that to other communities that need it? Mm. And it, it's simple. It's just simple as language
0: services. That's it. I love it. Yeah. Another probably thought that just came to my head is I remember when I was a supervisor at the law firm and I trained my staff to in Spanish like I trained them to say I don't speak Spanish please hold I'll get you someone that does and I literally like word for word, like I literally had it in um what do you call it um I don't know what it's called where you actually cheat do- cheat. yeah like it's like a little cheat sheet but it, it like it was in English right? Like the wording was in English, but when you sound it out loud, it was in Spanish, kind Mm -hmm. of like, if that makes sense. So I literally had like a little cheat sheet so they wouldn't forget. And it was like 30 people under me. And I literally said that and I'm like, just find me, I'll speak to them. You know, uh, my manager also spoke Spanish. So our team was pretty lucky that we spoke Spanish and we, our community that we served in at that particular law firm was major, primarily um, Hispanic uh, descent. So, you know, we were lucky enough to have that. And obviously I was a supervisor, so I was able to implement it. But funny enough, when I left that firm, my old manager literally text messaged me and said, hey, we implemented what you created in your group. We implemented it throughout the entire uh, law firm because they had several law firms like in Texas and several states. So I was like, oh, that's great. I'm like, so like even little things like that. Like if you speak French or if you speak, you know, Portuguese of some sort, you know, really spread the word, you know, and even if you're that go-to person or or whatever the case may be, really try and make people feel at home because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. You know, we, we uh, provide a service to the community. Uh, you know, the community is coming to these law firms and these legal departments and and whatever, what have nots. And we need to make sure that these people are getting served and that these people are getting served to the. And I'm not talking about service of process, guys. All right. Take your hat off. We're talking about being served. We're talking about providing a service to a customer that will make your law firm stand out from the other ones. Because I'm pretty sure if somebody comes into your law firm or calls in or something like that, and they have the option to click two or three or four or five for a particular uh, language, you've already set the standard that you are different than everybody else. And that's how powerful that little, um, and I call it little, but that, you know, that one step can take your business to the top. And even for my freelance paralegals or anybody that's offering any type of legal services, this is essential. I mean, this is key. This will definitely set you apart.
1: I love, I love what you mentioned. First of all, let me say what you did in the law office, that that makes total sense. Like teaching basic, uh, you know, sentences, even if it's just like, I don't speak the language, let me get somebody for you. That makes such a big difference because, you know, as a client, you're like, wow, these people really care. Okay, that's great. And it doesn't have to be perfect in another no. language. It, it, it's it, it's great. That, that's another really good option. Translating your website. Absolutely. You have to have your, your website in different languages. If you're going to be serving this, you have to tell people that you are providing the services. But I also love what you said about, you know, being like recognized in the community. Immigrant communities are very tight and we talk and as we all know, business is, you know, we're a mouse. But when it comes to immigrants, we, we're very loyal, especially Latinos. Like if we like a brand, if we like a service, yeah. that's where everybody goes from grandma all the way to like five generations. Oh, down, yeah. All Vix, go the same Clorox, thing. Exactly. Let's just do some plugins there. Like we, yeah, exactly. Like we do Colgate. It doesn't matter. Well, anyway says everybody in the family does go gay. That's it. Nobody's switching because grandma says that's where we go. That's right. But that's true. why we so, use
0: fabuloso. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so if you are, you know, the go-to, you know, legal uh, services for whatever it is, even if for starting a business, it doesn't have to be immigration. I really want to highlight that. This is not an immigration issue. This is a every, you know, legal area. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be the the go-to person and, and, and that's where you're going to get a bunch of business because, we talk and we tell our neighbors and and you know once once you are a person that's it that
0: you're going to be the immigrant of whatever uh, group that, that that will be you and and, uh, and another thing is for the legal professionals right because this is geared to them um learning another language will open up so many doors for you i i was probably 10 candidates in, I had to go through like three different interviews. And the only thing that set me apart other than my skills and education and everything else that you put on that resume and the experience was language. That's literally why I got the job. I spoke a different language. I spoke another language. And so understanding the power and the doors that this will open for you, even if you just learn the basics, enough to defend yourself and carry a conversation, that in and of itself will set you apart from all these other candidates for those of you that are looking to grow your career or enhance your career or pivot or go on your own or or whatever your legal career aspirations are. Learning another language is going to be so beneficial in so many different ways. I feel like especially me, when I learn another language, especially now as an adult, it's it's a little more difficult. You know, when you were younger, you, you consumed everything like a sponge. So it was a lot easier for me to learn English um, and French. But now that I'm learning Portuguese at this age, oh man, it's tough. Even though I know French and, and Spanish and I have all this basics under me, um, it's tough. It's tough to learn, but I'm sticking through it. <laughs> I'm not giving up. And I understand. I understand the struggle, but it's like, even I'm at a grocery store and perfect example. This is a true example. I was at the grocery store, I was shopping for Christmas um recipes for like I was doing like a typical Puerto Rican dish for Christmas, and I was shopping and nobody there spoke Portuguese. Everybody spoke Spanish, but nobody spoke Portuguese. And although all the Portuguese, most of the Portuguese people that I've met know a little bit of Spanish. This particular person did not. So everybody's talking to this person in Spanish and they're like, I have no idea what you're saying. I only speak Portuguese and a little bit of English. And I was able to help them in my little bit of Portuguese. So I'm like, hey, so they're trying to tell you that your card was declined, (laughs) which is really important. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, Thank, <right? laughs> you know, like you need to either pay cash or pay it for with another card because all they did was kept swiping and swiping and swiping and it just kept getting declined. So anyway, they figured it out, everything was fine, and I was able to help somebody. So even little things like that, where you can just really just use your basics and just know what you you know, learn a little bit of um of something. Just a language that you like. And what I love about learning about languages is that you learn about the culture too. You learn about, you know, um, you get into other people's worlds and you get to see their mindset, which, again, helps you with your profession because it helps you relate. It helps you create trust. It helps you create that respect and that loyalty that you were talking about. So it all just kind of like connect the dots. Right. Like it, it all just comes together together. In this puzzle, and right now, all the puzzles are—you know—the puzzle pieces are spread out, and then all you need to do is put it together to look at the full picture. So, Joanna, uh, I, love, I love what you
1: mentioned. <laughs> I love what you mentioned <laughs> about the culture because it's very important as well. Um, because we we tend to put like all you know all Latinos, all Asian Americans in the same thing, mm. like they're all the same, right? <laughs> but, but we're not, then we're very different. So, one of the the highlights of you know doing the assessment. The language assessment it's to go beyond, like, oh, we just need somebody that speaks Spanish, mm. uh, not necessarily. So, if you have mostly Mexican Americans, or if you have Puerto Ricans, or if you have Venezuelans, or if you have Cubans, the terminology is different.
0: Mm. And
1: as you know, in the legal system, it's very important to get those little details, especially when it comes to, you know, research or mediation or talking about any type of, um, you know, crime or anything like that. Those keywords you cannot misunderstand them. So it's not just about, you know, translating. It's about, it's called localizing. So going beyond translation, it's localization. And that is really understanding the area and the dialect that your clients need and target it to them. So if you're looking at, you know, translating your website or getting, you know, interpreters and staff, you have to look at that. So there's no point of view, translating to, you know, Mexican Spanish, just because that's, you know, the majority of Latinos are Mexican here. Uh, But if your community is Cuban, you're really missing an opportunity there. (laughs) You don't wanna, you know, we look different, we,
0: we act different, we well, and the most important thing is, is that certain different. words means different things. Exactly. So, right. Like, I'm not going to give an example because the, all of them are bad. They can all go bad. So we're not giving an example. Well, I'm I can just...
1: tell you that straw, 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 is like the hardest. Oh, word yeah. in yeah. <laughs> There's like 20 different ways of saying <laughs> straw, in every country is different. And if you say it in one way, you're insulting the other person. Yes. So, exactly. like, for me personally. I'll just go for the English. I'm like, I need a straw, please. Because most likely, if they're not, like in my case, (laughs) Venezuelan, i probably end up saying something that, you know,
0: yes. that's especially that. <laughs> when it's Yes, especially when it comes to Central, South, and Caribbean. Like, Caribbean is a whole different monster, guys. Like, just so you know, me being out of the Caribbean, um, but my best friend's Colombian. My other friend is Peruvian. So you get my gist, right? Like, <laughs> we, we just, will talk Spanish, but very carefully. <laughs> we don't want to offend each other, because I'd be like, what does that mean? Exactly. What are you trying exactly. to tell me? And then they'll probably say the same thing. No, I mean, we've been friends for long enough so that we kind of understand each other. And, and I'm learning, right? Like tostones for Colombians is patacones. So there's like different things, right? Like, um, so yeah. So just even in your everyday Spanish, imagine when we're talking about legal that's that's what we're trying to get at like just in your normal everyday you know co- conversational um words can vary imagine when we talk about that which is why it's so important and please guys we're not only talking about depositions finding a translator for depositions we're not only talking about finding a translator for the court system we're talking about every day in and out translators that can be there, be on your team, be on call, whatever the case may be so that your client can benefit from your amazing services. Yeah, so, and I want
1: to I wanna, um, clarify the difference between translator and interpreter because yes, a lot please. of people don't know that. <laughs> yes, go yes. ahead. So uh, the job is the same, translating from one language to the other, but translators, they do it in written. So that's just writing. If you're looking about somebody doing it orally that is an interpreter so what you have in courts are interpreters and when we look at translator are just documents wise and a lot of the times that's very important to know most translators are not interpreters and most interpreters are not translators mm. some people do both yes but normally you specialize in one thing or the other uh, yeah. just because it requires a lot of different skills yes, um, absolutely. and even within that when you're looking at core interpreter, that's a simultaneous interpreting. So that is basically like three to four words behind on what's being said. So it's live interpreting. There is no stopping uh, whatever the judge is saying, whatever the lawyer is saying, whatever anybody's saying. The interpreter is just going, going, going. And a standard for that is around 60 to 80 percent of what's being said is actually being translated. Just because it's almost impossible to do 100 percent, it's very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're looking at interpreters for your regular job, so outside of the actual court, what you're doing is a consecutive. So in that way, one person speaks, pauses, the interpreter talks, the other person speaks and things like that. And that basically makes sure that 100 percent of what's being said is being translated. Um, right. So those are little details, you know, that you need to know. Um, Absolutely. And I'm actually uh, launching a course in a couple months. Uh, called working with interpreters in legal settings. And that's specific for you know anybody that will work with interpreters to really understand the differences and know the techniques. Because um, like I'm saying, like in the simultaneous, you can talk, not everything is going to be translated and that's fine. With consecutive, you want to make sure that you speak in short sentences. <laughs> that makes very a big, big difference for the interpreter. So knowing those steps and how to really do that will really help you you know, use correctly these sources, because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to use interpreters because it takes twice as long. And then there is errors and all these things. But if you know how to do it correctly, then you really, really see your ROI when you invest in this. It is really, you know, beyond the fact that it's the law <laughs> and you all know about the law, right? <laughs> it, it's really an investment and it just will make your business better.
0: I love it. I love everything you have to do, everything you have to offer. I mean, that's why you're on my podcast, but um, love it. So when it's out, let me know. I'll put it in the show notes and in the description and YouTube. And as always, we'll always stay connected. Um, We will be having, I guess this is a great segue for season four. We will be having bilingual episodes. And so you will see Joa pretty soon. Um, And we'll have some bonus episodes as well along the way. So please keep a lookout for that because Language is really important and it's not just about um, it's not just about translation or everything that we spoke about. It's about communication. If we can't communicate with each other on each other's levels, then we are losing out literally in translation. See what I did there? All right, guys, until justice is served, I'll be here. Have a good day. <laughs> see decline in productivity, lack of motivation, or even high turnover at the law firm? This is probably because there is a lack of tools and training. Maybe you are seeking to enhance your skills and knowledge. Look no further than Eta Rosa LLC, your premier provider of law firm staff training services and legal education for all legal professionals. At Eta Rosa LLC, we understand the importance of continuous learning in the legal field, that's why we offer comprehensive training programs designed to empower your team with the latest legal insights and strategies. Rosa speaks both lawyer and paralegal, which provides her with the edge you need to get your staff where they need to be. Whether you are looking to sharpen your skills, stay up to date on industry trends, Rosa LLC has the resources you need to succeed. Our flexible training programs can be customized to fit your firm's unique needs and schedule, ensuring minimal disruption to your day-to-day operations. Say goodbye to outdated training methods and hello to cutting-edge legal education with Ederosa LLC. Contact us today to learn more about how we can help you and your firm thrive in today's ever-changing legal landscape. Click the link below and schedule your 15-minute chat today.